Last week, we started a sermon series entitled Worship. And we've been using the Old Testament passages in Exodus where God delivers his people. Ben, would you put, put the time up there? That way I'll, I'll know right from the beginning how much I have. Um, everybody turns back when I say that, you know. Don't, there's nothing to see here. Just, and, and really, I'm just going to take as much time as I need anyway. So. <laughs> but, uh, but, but it is nice to know how much I go over, right? Uh, no, we've been talking about worship and we've been using the Old Testament um, passage of God setting his people free because God says to Moses, I need you to go tell Pharaoh and the whole world to, that I am going to release my people. I am going to set them free. And so this is the message that God gives Moses for Pharaoh. Set my people free that they may worship me. Set my people free that they may worship me. And so God is connecting for us the very purpose of our existence is to worship him. You were created to worship. We said last week that you will worship something. The question is what? You will either worship yourself, you will worship this world, you will worship materialism, you will worship money, you will worship whatever it is, but you will worship something. It might even be a sports team or your children or your husband or your spouse, your wife, but you will worship something. The question is, what? And more importantly, you need to realize that you were created to worship Almighty God. And so God connects for us the idea in this Old Testament uh, uh, passage, but not only in the Old Testament, throughout Scripture, that worship is connecting with God's heart. And when you connect with God's heart, he fills you with peace. He fills you with peace. Not a, put the next slide up there, would you, Ben? Uh, worship connects you with God and ultimately connects you with peace. This isn't the only thing that's taken place. God connects for us freedom, truth, service, selflessness, sacrifice, and ultimately love. Now we talked about that last week, so I won't re-preach it, but ultimately when you connect with God's love, you connect with something powerful. You connect with the very existence, the very reason for your existence. And not only that, but you will be set free and experience a peace that's beyond this world. A peace that transcends this world. You will start to understand why you were put here. That's the peace of connecting with Jesus Christ in worship. Now, I told you that I was going to share with you probably one of the most profound secrets. Or not, it's not a secret, but but. The, the, the teaching today is, is probably one of the most profound teachings you could ever connect with to experiencing the best of the Christian life. I mean, to really come alive with peace and purpose and hope and joy and just taking your spiritual walk with the Lord to the next level. And it's connecting with God's heart. Connecting with God's heart is worship. Connecting with God's heart is serving him. Connecting with God's heart is, is experiencing all that he has. And, and do you realize that God desires to bless you? God wants to bless you. As a matter of fact, throughout the scripture, we saw this last week. He desires to make you fruitful. He desires to, to give you abundantly and exceedingly, even beyond what you could think of. And he wants to multiply he wants to multiply his goodness in your life. Listen to what he says about the children of Israel in the book of Exodus, chapter one. 
But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and they grew exceedingly. Now, I highlighted those words because those are the words that God uses throughout Scripture to describe how he wants to bless you. He wants to fruitfully and abundantly bless you. He said this about Adam and Eve. He said this to, uh, to Abraham and then through the line of Abraham to the children of Israel, through the children of Israel into Jesus Christ. And so we hear Jesus in the New Testament using these same words to describe God's blessing upon his people. Not just the children of Israel, but the church. Watch, Jesus says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that's not why I came. I came to give you a peace. I came to give you abundance. Abundant living. So that you would live exceedingly and abundantly. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says, I've been given the revelation of grace for the church. And as part of that revelation of grace, he says he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, above and beyond. Do you see how God is saying, my desire has always been to bless the world and to bless you specifically. So think about this with me. He says this to the children of Israel and he says the same thing to us. You know what else he says? He says in Exodus 19, verses 5 through 6, watch this. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my commandments, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words, uh, these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. He's telling Moses, he says, I want you to tell them that I am going to take them and they will be special to me. Do you realize he says the same thing in 1 Peter to the church? Listen to what he says to the church. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So let me break this down for you. He wants to bless you exceedingly and abundantly, above and beyond whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream. That's always been his goal. That's always been his desire. And on top of that, he wants to call you to be his special, chosen, holy priests. He wants you to be a nation of priests. What does a priest do? A priest goes before the Lord and represents others. But not only that, he introduces others or she introduces others. He introduces others to the goodness of God. And so God is literally saying, I want to bless the whole world and I want to use you to do it. You will be my ambassadors. You will be my people that set apart, that live for me and show the world how awesome it is to live for me so that they may come into relationship. So the greatest thing that God is saying here is I want you to connect with what I want to do. That's the key to today's message. Some of you are saying, okay, give me the key so that I can live at that higher level so that I can experience this fruitful, awesome blessing. This is the key. Join God where he's working. Connect your heart to his heart. Tie your prayers to his heart. Tie your request to the harvest, to him. When you do that, see, so many of us have been taught that it's about us. That's kind of what modern day Christianity has done. You want to pray that God would bless you. Oh God, bless my endeavors. Oh God, bless my plans. Oh God, bless my career. Oh God, bless my decision. Oh God, bless what I'm doing. 
How about going old school? I can remember being a kid and my dad took me through Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God. And, and Mr. Blackaby was, uses a 12-week series based on the life of, of uh, Moses to tell you one beautiful principle. If you really want the, the, the abundance and the exceeding blessing of God, instead of asking God to join you, why don't you ask to join him? And that's humility. Do you realize that that's what marked Moses' life? Humility and meekness. There was one occasion where Moses' brother and sister, Miriam and Aaron, are Moses' brother and sister older. He's the baby. And so they start complaining about their brother. It's okay, you complain about your brother. Come on, how many of you ever have little sibling spats? It happens. God's okay with that. But when they started insulting Moses' position, now they've got a problem. Because before it was just little brother, big brother, big sister, talking back and forth. But when they took, they went after his position, God says, now we've got a problem. You need to show up. I want to talk to all of you. So God comes down in a pillar of smoke and fire. And when he, when he speaks, they hear him. But, but, but this is what's happening the moment he comes down and leaves, Miriam is covered from head to toe in leprosy. So God has just judged her actions. Moses and Aaron fall on their faces. Aaron begins to plead with Moses, please intercede for our sister. Ask God to forgive her. Now this is what God says. I'm going to have her be in this condition for seven days and then I'll remove it. She has disrespected me because she criticized my servant Moses. Now this isn't a message on spiritual authority even though there's much to learn about spiritual authority on this. This, what I wanna I emphasize for you today is Moses' heart of humility and meekness because this is what God says. Have you guys not noticed? Because why did you find it so easy to criticize my, my servant? Have you not noticed how much he means to me? That's what God says. He means the world to me. With every other man, with every other woman, I show up and I speak with a veil. That means I keep a distance. That means there's a dream, there's a vision, there's a premonition, there's something going on, but not with Moses. With him, I show up and we have conversations like friends. And the reason I can show up and talk to him and he is welcomed in my whole house, God says, because Moses is humble and meek and like him, there is none other. You want to connect with God's heart? Be humble and say, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Lord, what is important to you? I want to join you. Today, we're going to talk about what's so important to God. What's most important to God? Because he wants us to take his heart and to share it with the world. So he calls us blessed. He says he's going to do exceedingly and abundantly in your life so that you will be a priest, a representative for him to bless others. And this is where Jesus ends his ministry on earth with these words. Now that you're a priest and you're blessed and you're a holy nation and I wanna bless your socks off, go ye therefore and share that blessing with others. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Teach them everything I have commanded you and lo, we will be with you to the very end of the age. This is why our foundational principles are found in this pathway through attend regularly, give faithfully, join the church, find those connection opportunities to grow, but, but, but watch what's at the very top, mature and multiply. Why? Receive those beautiful blessings that God has given you and then go and multiply them, share them with others. How do you do that? Just start down the pathway. When you first walk into foundation, you just want to start attending. But how many of you know there's a blessing in attending? I learned this from a professor in finance when I was at Baylor University. I was taking my first finance class and I was freaking out. I thought I was going to fail, Keith, because everyone there in the introduction of finance was saying, he was asking people what they knew and they knew all kinds of stuff. They knew about the P-E ratio. They knew about return on investment. They knew about all these things. And they're just young kids like me. And they go, well, my dad gave me so much of Exxon stock and I have so much of this stock and I have some, I don't even know what a stock is. The other guy goes, oh, I have so much bonds and I have treasury. And I'm going, I don't know about any of that. I'm just a poor kid from East Houston. And so I go to the professor. I said, I think I made the wrong, I I made a mistake. I I need to get out of this major, maybe find another major. And he's like, why? I said, because I don't know anything about any of this. He says, show up to class, you'll pass and do great. Show up to church, you won't only pass, you'll do great. Come on. How many of you know when you show up to church, good things happen for you? Be faithful, it starts off there. But I want you to go down to elevate. Elevate begins when you start elevating your Christian walk by getting into discipleship relationship. And then from there, you start worshiping, serving in ministry. Do you realize that God says, let my people go that they may worship me. In some of your versions, it literally changes the word worship for service. The same thing happens in Romans 12 when he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is acceptable worship. In some versions, it says this is acceptable service. So you're really not worshiping until you serve God. That's why David says, I cannot worship God, if it doesn't cost me something. When you come to church and you sit and sing, that's not worship yet. Some of you are attending worship, but you're not worshiping. When you worship is when you find a ministry and you start serving. Ooh. You want to go to the next level in your life? You want things to start making sense? You want things to start lining up? Abundance, exceedingly and abundantly multiplying blessings? Start serving. Laz is looking at somebody over there, probably one of his disciples. (laughs) He's looking over there, he's going... No, no, but then you really connect with God's heart when you start caring for the least of these. Now, that's what I want to talk about here today. Connecting with God's heart. Not saying, Lord, join me, but Lord, where can I join you? You want to know where his heart is? With the least. With those that are less fortunate. That's what God cares for. It melts his heart. And when you join him there, he exceedingly and abundantly blesses you. Because what I want you to understand is that Jesus says, I want to be a living stream, a fountain of living water flowing through you. Notice the difference between a stream and a pond. A pond brings water in and then it holds it. It stagnates eventually. It putrefies. It, 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 it's not ideal for living water. But a stream keeps flowing. As God gives you blessings and you let them go out, God gives you more. 
and you will be constantly replenished from the mountains above as that stream flows through the land of the living. This is what God says. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. Why? Because they're on my heart. He goes on in Leviticus 23, 22. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for who? For those that have just come to the land and they don't have anything but the shirts on their back. Leave them for the poor, for I am the Lord. He's saying, for I am the Lord and I watch over them, but I bless you so that you can bless others. So that you could represent my kindness. You are my priest. You introduce others to my kindness. And this is what he's saying very, very clearly. He says, when you have a field and when you have a garden and when you have orchards, whatever falls on the ground, you leave it for the poor. Whatever's on the very edge or in the corners, don't go to the very corner of the field. Don't go to the very edge cleaning and taking everything you can. Leave the edges. Leave the edges for those that are hungry can come and help themselves. Why? Because I want you to represent me. Keep going with this. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves them. He loves the foreigners and those that are less fortunate giving them food and clothing through us. He goes on to say that there really shouldn't be any need for poor among you. Why? He goes, because I want to bless you so much that if you help each other, none of you will be poor. And then I'll just keep blessing you. He says, however, there will be some poor. There will be folks. Why? I connect that. First, he says, there shouldn't be any. Why? Because I am good. And it's not going to be because I have withheld. It's going to be because they make bad decisions. I get it. Come on, how many of you have ever seen the poor and go, well, if you hadn't made those bad decisions, you wouldn't be where you're at. God is saying, we can all be there. If not for the grace of God. He says, but if you help one another, I'll bless y'all. And you can help one another up. That's what he's saying in these verses. But then I really want to highlight it this way. At the end of the age, Jesus is going to gather his goats, or the goats, not his, the goats and his sheep. Now this is what God says. You will be my ambassadors. You will be those that go for me, right? And so he's talking about the end, to the very end of the age. That means you... Go ye therefore and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them everything that I have commanded you and lo, I will be with you to the very end of the age. And the disciples go, tell us about the end of the age. And so he goes into 24, chapter 24, and he says, there's gonna be deception. There's gonna be wars and rumors of wars. There's gonna be all kinds of earthquakes and, and calamities and all these different things. There's even gonna be the abomination that causes desolation in the temple. But he says, but before those things happen, this gospel that I commissioned you to share will be shared in all the earth. And they're like, they're on pins and needles. What else is going to happen? Then he goes into chapter 25. Chapter 25, he tells some stories. You know how he uses parables to communicate a very, very important message? He says, there's going to be 10, uh, you know, the end of the age is like 10 virgins. Some are ready, some are not ready. Some will be left out, some will come in. And then he says, Jesus will come and he tells this parable about the goats and the sheep. And read it with me. 
when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep and goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed. There's that word again, blessed, abundantly, above and beyond whatever you even thought. It's about to get real right here. Watch this blessing here. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you in these conditions? Verse 40, the king replied, truly, I tell you, whenever you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it also for me. You know what Jesus is saying? When you connect with my heart, you serve me. And you don't see others, you see me. But, but, but I want to really cement some things. You've probably never heard a, a, mes a missions message like this. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna share some things that might make you feel very uncomfortable in the next two minutes. It only lasts for two minutes, but I need you to hear the truth here. Because what Jesus is saying here, this is so serious to me that I will ultimately judge you by it. Meaning, your heart is either changed or it's not changed. You either love me with all your heart or you love yourself. And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is how you can tell if you're a Christian, if you care about what I care about. These passages, these parables are like brass tack parables at the end here because they asked him, tell us about the end of the age. He goes, you wanna hear about the end of the age? There's gonna be goats and there's gonna be sheep and I'm gonna judge them and I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna judge. Listen to what the Bible says. John 5, all authority to judge was given to the Son of Man. He's saying it. Listen to what Hebrews says. After that, after we die, we face judgment. The good part is this. If you're a sheep, your judgment's much easier. Your judgment is, I see your heart, you're good, you've expressed your faith as you lived it out, in connection with my heart, come in. I see your heart. You spoke good words, but you never connected. I'm sorry. Uh-oh. Some of you are going, I don't like the way you preached. I, 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 you know what? I like feel-good messages. I get it, but this is the word of God. And so this is why the Bible says this over and over and over. He says, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I am building on a good foundation. The only foundation that any man can build on is that laid by Jesus Christ. You see it up there. What he's saying is, I've laid a good foundation. That means I've preached the whole truth to you. The whole truth. 
Meaning that when you do things for selfish reasons and it's all about you, that gets burned up in judgment. When Jesus Christ tries your life, everything that was selfish cannot come into heaven. That gets burned up only what was pure. Sharing God's blessing. You say, but who is my brother? Who is my sister? He says, if you do it for the least of these, your brothers and sisters. Well, Jesus explains that too. In Matthew 12, they say, hey, your brothers, your, your mother's here. He says, who is my brother? Who is my sister? My, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? He looks at the crowd. He says, these are my brothers. These are my sisters. This is my family. Jesus goes on in Matthew 10. He says, when you find the least of these, watch. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Even the little acts of kindness. See what Jesus is saying? I want you to constantly be, be, be kind, be generous, be giving. I'll give you more. I'll give you more. I'll continue to let it flow through you. You're my representatives. Listen to 1 John 3.17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need, but does not have pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? See, Paul, that foundation that he's talking about, that Paul's talking about, this is what he says. Don't look only to your own interest. Every day, every year, your life should be, God, how can I bless others? How can I be used? Even a cup of cold water, even a couple of dollars here. Let me do something for you, Lord. So we're talking about selflessness, connecting with God's heart of selflessness, of sacrifice. You say, but pastor, this is hard. How can I make a difference? Well, I want to share with you something my dad taught me. He taught me the power of cooperation. Cooperation. You may not be able to reach halfway around the world, but if we all come together in cooperation, your gift with my gift, with her gift, with his gift, we can do great things, can we not? And that's what God wants us to do. He says, I've called you to be a church. And as a church, all together, you're my hands, you're my feet, you're my mouth, you're my body. Not you by yourself, but cooperating. We can do great things. And so we can help the least of these. We can help those that need help. The least of these. So what do you want me to do, Pastor? I want you to do something. Today, I want you to, just like Nike says, just do it. I want you to do something. Do something. You say, what do you mean? I want you to step out and be selfless. Be kind. Be caring. Be compassionate. Engage Jesus' heart. Amen? So this really came to bear in my life. When I was a young man, just starting my pastorate, starting the church, and God said, do something. And I said this to him. I said, Lord, I don't think I can make a difference. 
Come on, anyone ever feel like the problem is too big? There's too many poor, there's too many homeless, there's too many, there's too much need. How can I do something, Lord? And he, he had this pastor that week when I was praying this prayer, there was a pastor that shared this. I can't even remember his name. I can't even remember what, what the, 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 the rest of the message was about, but I remember the illustration. That's why I love using illustrations because sometimes you'll remember the song or the illustration I use and you forget the whole message, but you'll remember that. And so this was the illustration. He said there was a hurricane washed up a lot of sea uh, life onto the beach. And there was this little boy that got up early and he saw all these starfish and different animals or different sea life. And he just started to grab them and throw them back into the sea. And there's this older man, he comes walking by, he has got gray hair and he sees the little boy frantically throwing and he sees the hopeless cause. He brings the little boy to his side and says, son, you're never gonna make a difference. Look how many there are. You're just one person. Go play, have fun, enjoy your day. Little boy said, yes, sir. The man keeps walking. He hears a splash. He kind of looks back a little bit. And the little boy just keeps chunking starfish and shells. And he's just chunking stuff. And the man looks back and he says, son, did you not hear what I said? He said, yes, sir, I heard. He said, it's not going to make a difference. He said, well, sir, it made a difference to that one. And I heard God speak to my life loud and clear. I remember when God moved in our lives and we thought, what can we do? We're just two people. We've never studied ministry. We've never been in the ministry. We've never, we don't know the first thing about pastoring, but God broke us down. He spoke to us. He united our hearts with his. And he said, I need you to step out in faith and start a church. And now look, thousands of people have been affected. Thousands of people have been blessed. Why? Because sometimes you just got to do something. Amen? So what is I care? I'll tell you what I care is. It is the missions arm or ministry component of foundation. When foundation, our church, engages in missions, we do it through our, our ministry called I care. And we want you to be a part of it. What is eye care? Well, it com it's composed of two different, so to speak, initiatives. A local missions and ministry and a global missions and ministry. This is how we engage the great commission of helping people. Helping people, the least of these, those that are poor, those that are less fortunate, those around the world. We help them locally and we help them worldwide. You say, but pastor, how did you get started? Well, it all started when God broke down a young man and a young lady in their early 20s or mid 20s. I was mid 20s. She was early 20s. And God changed our lives. I was all about myself. Why? Because I had grown up poor. I grew up in a, in a pastor's home. My grandfather was a pastor. I saw all of that. I said, you know what, Lord, I'll serve you, but I'm going to take care of me first. And that was the deal I had with God. The deal was, I put me first. So I'm going to go to college. I want, 
I want the beautiful wife. I want the American dream. I want the big house. I want to be wealthy. I want the the picket fence, the SUV, the 2.5 kids. So I started building. I found me a beautiful girl. I found me a great uh, 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 major. I had a double major in finance and international business with a minor in economics. So you know where my mind's at. All up in that business school, trying to get the American dream. And God comes to me and he begins to change my heart. He begins to change my heart and change my heart where I once said, I will never do this. Now I'm saying, oh Lord, please let me do this. Please let me preach the gospel for you. I give it all up for you, Lord. And so when he called us and he said, go for it, that's where I care started. I started to care like he wants me to care. I changed my life. I, put, I, I, I said, it's not about me. I only have one life to live for my king. I'm gonna live it to the best of my ability. I'm not gonna put you last, Lord. I'm gonna put you first, Lord. I'm gonna care. And so I can remember when he started, started really working in our lives to get us to, to launch missions. He said, our church is not just about reaching local people. Our church is about giving them my heart. So I want you to start a missions ministry And I'll never forget the night he woke me up and I had a perfect, vivid dream of Max Lucado preaching a message I had heard years before. I even forgot I heard Max Lucado preaching it. But I heard it so vividly. I could see Max there talking to me and he's preaching the, the message about caring. And he's saying, when you help somebody, you don't think, oh, poor little old man, or oh, look at this little orphan, or oh, look at this widow. You think, this is Jesus I'm helping. And he talked about starting his ministry in Sao Paulo, Brazil. In Sao Paulo, Brazil, there were street children. And he talked about the street piranhas. That's what they called them, the piranhas, because they come around you asking. And I was so in impacted that Google was, was just starting. I went and Googled this and this is the pictures that came up. And I just began to weep that night. And I began to say, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I can make a difference. And God said, well, make a difference to one, do something. And so keep going, Ben. And I, and I just saw these, look at this, sleeping like an animal on the, on the doorsteps of a business. Keep going. Then my heart sank. For those of you who have been here for it all, any, any amount of time, that right there is a, I mean, it looks almost just like my son. And when I saw that, I heard loud and clear what God was saying. I need you to connect with my heart. God was saying, connect with my son and I'm gonna show you that that could be your son. And as I woke up in the morning, I said to Melissa, I don't know what to do, babe, but I'm wrecked. God has wrecked my life last time. And she said, do something, do something. So she encouraged me as I'm encouraging you today. Don't just sit and come to worship, be a part of worship by connecting with God's heart and I care. Give. What do we do? How do we do it? Well, let me share with you the simple beginnings of I care. I received this email the other day from, from a beloved brother. 
He said, PC, that's Pastor Chris. I remember how we started the fatherless fund together. That's what I care was called before it was I care. It was called the fatherless fund. With an envelope and an ink pen and a $1 donation. We started small and humbly. I remember you writing on the envelope, fatherless fund, and thinking, I don't know any fatherless kids, and neither does Pastor Chris, but this is a great idea. And we walked out our faith, true ministry, no answers, no solutions, just raw heart movement and the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Before I care was anything, was a small group of guys with zeal for the Lord rounded up by a pastor that was on fire to train up godly men. We opened the Bible and PC, you let it rip. (laughs) You read the cost to be a disciple. The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We memorize scriptures, which I can still recite today. I know all your favorite verses and all your favorite books of the Bible. PC, did you know that I still carry on this practice till today with my disciples? Now he's moved away to another city, but he continues on. And I want you to know that it just started with faithfulness. And it started with one dollar, and that dollar has grown. And over the Over the years, we've managed to help over 12 kids, over a dozen kids, I don't even know the number anymore, be adopted. Not only have we helped people be adopted, we've helped start ministries. We've helped bless folks that have been ravaged by devastation. In our I Care Local program, our local missions, we've done disaster relief after Katrina in, uh, in Waveland, Mississippi, where where we helped bless the community. And when we first got there, there were mothers that had not even buried their babies yet that had died. And we ministered and we loved and we cared. It wasn't only Katrina, it was Rita. And here recently, we went down to Brackettville with Pastor YJ and some of our men got to minister in that case. We've ministered in LaGrange. We've ministered in the fires here We've helped when Brother Larry's house was hit by a, a devastating storm that ripped the roof off and our eye care ministry helped put the roof back on. We've helped countless widows. We've helped countless elderly folks in our community whose houses were falling apart, put them back together. I mean, the truth is we just want to do something, but we need your help to do that something. It started off small and you can start off with a small donation Our foreign mission trips are amazing. Why are mission trips so amazing? Well, I always tell people, you need to go on a mission trip. You need to go on a mission trip. You'll experience God like never before. And it will will heighten your closeness to him. And people are always kind of like, I'm not sure. They come back wanting to move there. They want to move to Belize. They want to move to the DR. They want to move to wherever we're at ministering. And I go, whoa, 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 hold on. Before you start selling things and packing up, hold up. I said, why do you want to move? He goes, because I've never felt God the way I feel him. I cannot wait to just keep feeling that feeling. Come on, how many of you have ever felt that on a mission trip? And the truth is, I started to break it down. I said, when was the last time you dedicated more than a week just to do God's purpose. I I don't, never. When was the last time you've taken your cell phone, put it in the safe of your hotel room and 
just gone out with your Bible? When was the last time you've given yourself away and shared your testimony and prayed with people and laid hands on the sick and done what God created you to do? When was the last time? Well, I've never done it. I've only done it here. I said, and can you imagine how God started moving if you take it back home and do the same? See, the truth is... God wants to move and mission trips help you connect with his heart and you bring it back home with you. You say, but pastor, our gifts, will they be used to go on mission trips? Everybody raises their own support, but we always need funds to do whatever we're doing. If we're building a church, if we're putting a roof on a church, if we're helping the poor, if we're doing whatever, we take the funds to help. And so God is moving, and we want you to be a part of it. You make a tremendous amount of memories on a mission trip, too. What kind of memories? Well, I remember when Dale fell off the back of the truck. <laughs> or when Dale was walking by the pool there on the way, you know, and, and he slips, and you just hear this, thunk, and everybody thought it was a coconut. Turned out it was. It was Dale's head. No, I'm just kidding. It was Dale's head, and we were so worried. And then the next year we show up and it's just, a, it's just a sidewalk. There's no incline, nothing, and there's a rail there. So we call that Dale's Rail. Because the hotel got scared after Dale slipped. And I said, that was Dale's fault. It had nothing to do with y'all. But we had all kinds of great memories that you make. I remember Bob and Ann mixing cement and helping us and just, just, how about this? I remember at the end of a mission trip, after pouring our heart out to God, we're having a few cigars, all the guys. And some of you are going, oh, I'll pray for you. <laughs> I'll pray for you that you let go of those things. But, but, but listen, we're, you're in the Dominican Republic. They are proud of their cigars. And so we're enjoying them and enjoying the culture. And there's this guy that walks by, because this is it. There's the, the hotel had like a little peninsula and it was right by the sea. And we were sitting in that little peninsula. They had some chairs and we were talking, but then there's a walkway, a public walkway where this guy walks by and there's a rail. We're kind of sitting up higher. He's down here, he goes, y'all want to buy some weed? Tells me in Spanish. I said, no, sir, we're Christians. He said, no puede ser. That can't be. You're smoking cigars. I said, you tell me, why can't we smoke cigars? He says, because to be a Christian, you've got to be perfect. See, they preach a non-grace gospel there. Meaning before you can accept Christ, you can't do anything. And he's a young man saying, I gave up on ever being saved. And God used us smoking cigars to open up the plan of salvation. I'm sharing with him the grace of God. God is the perfect one. God does the work. Give him your life. Do you want to receive life? And he begins to cry and weep as he accepts the Lord. And he's just raising his hands. And he cannot believe that he, that God would love a sinner like him. And so he accepts the Lord. We leave the next day, a year later, back at the same mission ground. My brother, I talk him into going with me. Just like I'm trying to talk you guys into going with us on this beautiful journey of caring for those who God cares for. 
And he shows up there and my brother walks out and this young man named Alex sees him. He goes, I've been waiting for you. And he hugs him and says, I've been looking for you for an entire year. And my brother's going, I've never been here before. And he says, no, no, you shared Jesus with me. He's telling him in Spanish, last year, right here on this spot. And I walked through here every day before work and after work and I look for you. Because my life has changed. And then he goes, no, that wasn't me. That was my brother. Well, go get your brother. So I come out. He hugs me and he says, look, I tattooed the day that my, my, my uh, mom gave me birth. I tattooed the day that you shared Jesus and I got new birth. Some of you are going, Tattoos? And uh, cigars, I don't know if I can go to this church. (laughs) So what are mission trips like? You'll see some of the pictures going up behind me. You have a lot of fun. You don't just work. You have memories like Dr. Phil singing James Brown, I Feel Good (laughs) on karaoke night. (laughs) And if you've never heard Dr. Phil sing James Brown, man, (laughs) you're missing it. But he didn't just sing James Brown. He got the message and he connected with the heart of God so deep that from there on, he goes on mission trip, even on his own, without the group, to help the least of these in the clinics there in the Dominican and in Belize, to give himself away. And here recently, the Lord touched his heart so profoundly that he decided He had to do something about the orphans because the Bible says true religion or the kind of service that pleases God is helping widows and orphans. This is one of the statistics he connected with and so he stepped out in faith, him and Stephanie, his wife, and they said not only do we connect with the heart of God and the message that foundation has shown us and shared with us, but now we feel like God is calling us to do beyond exceedingly and abundantly is what he's blessed us and we want to bless them. And so they started a, an orphanage in Orange Walk, Belize. Isn't this amazing? And we as a church through eye care get the beautiful privilege of helping support that orphanage. Here are a couple of pictures of it. Here's a picture of Dr. Phil and Steph in the uh, kitchen of the orphanage. So how can I get involved, you might be asking. All right, we want you to pray. We'd love for you to join us in giving. And we'd like you to go. Go on mission. Say, Pastor, I don't have a passport. You can go on the next mission here locally. Sometimes you don't even need to leave the county. (laughs) The truth is there's widows and elderly that need our help all the time from putting in a ramp, from cutting their grass, from mending a fence, to all sorts of things that we can do. There was disaster relief that we just did two weeks ago near Del Rio, Texas. There's all sorts of things you can do. But you can pray with us that God would give us his heart, and that he would always exceedingly and abundantly bless us that we might bless others. 
We've helped in LaGrange. We've helped in Bastrop. We've helped all over. And you can be a part of that. Sign up today. But also sign up to give. This is what I'd like every single person in this room to do. Give something. Decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgo one or two or three Starbucks this month and every month so that I can engage with Jesus' heart. I'm going to give. I want you to do a reoccurring giving donation. I'd love for you to set it and forget it. What do I mean by that? Just let it cooperate with everybody else's and see what our church can do. Let's just see what we can do when we bring our givings together. So we started off with $1, Melissa and I, and then we increased it. 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 And we've joined others, and look what we've been able to accomplish already. Can you imagine if every one of us decided, I can give $5, I can give $10, I can give $20, I can give $100. Whatever it is that you feel comfortable with, above and beyond your tithe, so that we can engage the heart of Christ. I promise you, he will do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could ever imagine, hope for, or dream. If you're ready to give, if you're ready to go, we'd love for you to sign up. Now, our ushers will have cards telling you exactly how to sign up. We also have representatives in blue shirts that will lead you on signing up today for a reoccurring donation. This is the blue shirt. Please don't leave today without engaging. I love you, Foundation. I love you with all my heart. As we take our communion supply, you talk about Jesus' heart. Can you just join me in saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you. for expressing that heart we've been talking about today towards us. You left your palace in glory to come help poor people like us be saved. You gave your body sacrificially to be broken and your blood to be shed for us. Lord, help us connect with that as we help others in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Church, have a great, great week. Don't leave today without doing something. Amen.